morning, everyone. You are listening to the Master Gardener Hour, a one-hour show where we talk to garden professionals and gardeners from all walks of life, all growing a variety of different plants. My name is Kate Copsey, and I am the host of the show. I am an active Master Gardener and have kept the certification for over a decade and through six different states. You can contact me from my webpage, katecopsey.com, or through America's Web Radio Station site. And if you have any questions about something in your garden, please post it on our Facebook page, and maybe we can answer the question on the air. This morning, we are going to be celebrating the holiday season with four shows all about gifts. Gifts that you can buy for your gardening friend or gifts to put on your wish list. And we are starting the celebration with Monica Hemingway, who, among other things, is the founder and editor of Garden Products Review Site. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Kate. Yes, and let's start um, with a little about your background and whereabouts you garden, because I believe you mentioned that you spend time both in Arizona and New England. Is that correct? I do. At the moment, I'm going back and forth between Tucson and Connecticut, but I've gardened all over Canada, the northeast, the Midwest, California, so uh, a wide range of different gardening styles and locations. Yes, and uh, you know, and I know that um, you know you you use um, many different hats in the the green industry. But we're talking about gifts, and your site, Garden Products Review, talks all about products that you have tried. So tell me a little about how the site started, and the people that do the testing on the site. Well, the, the site started two years ago. I, I had at that time a gardening blog, and I noticed that the most popular posts on that blog were ones where I was reviewing gardening products. So I thought, hmm, clearly there's an interest. Why don't I start a site that just reviews gardening products? And our goal is to be like the consumer reports of gardening products. So for the first year, all of the reviews were done by me, which was great in a way. I got to try out all of these fancy fantastic new things. The thing that was a bit of a problem was that I ended up with a garden shed full of gardening stuff, and then it started to take over the dining room, and then the basement, and then my husband said, enough, <laughs> time to get other people to write some of the reviews. So this year, I recruited some experienced gardeners, and many of them are also garden writers, authors, uh, or bloggers. And they're also reviewing products. So this year you'll see some reviews by me and some by a variety of other people on the website. And, and so um, I know the products that you, you test, are they mainly garden tools or do you do other things as well? We do, we do other things. It's primarily tools. But what we like to say, other than things that grow, so no plants, no seeds, and no chemicals of any kind. But other than that, if it's used in the garden, we review it. So we have tools. We also have some decorative items, clothing, um, things to deter pests, um, really quite a, a variety of things. And, and have you found maybe over the last maybe decade or so that some of the tools maybe have changed slightly in design? Because, you know, I... A, a spade basically is a spade kind of with 
the same same handle and and the same bottom. So how many variations on garden tools are there? And what is the main area maybe of re, um, innovation that you've found? Uh, There's several things. Um, Most of the innovation is really coming from small companies that maybe have a single product line. So they'll have identified a need that they don't think is being addressed very well by the current products, and they've come up with something. Most of those are targeting our baby boomers, essentially. We do know that the majority of gardeners are over 50. That population is continuing to age, but also very interested in gardening still and want to be active. So you're seeing more ergonomic tools, more lightweight tools, not necessarily meaning cheap as in we've used plastic instead of something else, but that they're reducing the weight. And tools that can make gardening easier for you, maybe from a standing position as opposed to having to kneel. So uh, that's probably the biggest area we're seeing. We're also seeing more tools that are have traditionally been gas-powered, or maybe plug-in, and they're now moving into lightweight and adjustable battery-powered tools that have a. It, they used to have a really bad reputation. Twenty minutes and you're you're done. You know the battery's dead. But we now are seeing ones that have a lot of power and uh, quite a long runtime, which is really nice because you're not tied to an outlet and you're not carting around something really heavy full of gas. So I'd say those are probably you know two of the biggest areas where we're seeing new types of products hitting the market. And I think from my point of view, one of the best one that came out, and it must have been when we were down in the south, it was um, it had a rechargeable battery, and it did strimming and it did edging and things like that, depending on which one you had. But that was so much lighter for me, being kind of a small build. But the other thing is that I found, you know, those typical strimmers that came, you had to pull that little lever thing to try and crank the darn thing into action. And I just could not do that, let alone manipulate the darn thing. So that, to me, was one of the greatest innovations. So from what you're saying, that type of thing has now caught on because we're not all kind of um, lumberjack style. Is that right? Exactly. And the one we we saw of years ago, there's now been other brands that have seen how popular that particular product was and have now jumped in as well with their own competing products. And and do you find that um, it's, it's you that does most of the testing or do you all kind of test them individually and then contribute maybe a joint report on it or do you each take different, um, different products and then contribute them? We each take different products. So I line up the reviewers based on their interests and experience, and I match them with a product, have that product sent to them, and they'll work with it, in most cases, for several months before they write a review. We have a, a very detailed list of things to look at and sort of standards for, for what makes a good product, and so the, the reviews are written with that in mind. And the individual reviewer really tries to put it through his paces, tries to break it, use it in ways that... It's probably not intended for, but the average homeowner, especially if they don't read the instructions, you know, is likely to do things that maybe they shouldn't. Um, and so we try that as well, and we, we really thoroughly test the product before the review is written. 
And so, so do people actually send you all the the tools um, or the the information on the tools, or are you just out in maybe trade shows and and um, in the marketplace in general and say, "Oh, that looks like something neat. Let me give it a try, and I'll give you a report on that." It's sort of a little bit of both. Right now, we're, we're fortunate enough that companies are sending things directly to us. They'll reach out and say, we have this product, we'd like you to review it. If I think it's something that would be of interest to our readers, then I'll say, sure, go ahead. You know, here's who you need to send it to for a review. There's, there's no guarantee that it's going to be a positive review. And if it is a negative review, and we, we have done that, we'll give them an opportunity to respond before we publish it, but we're still going to publish it. Um, some Some products have been ones that... I or the other reviewers have bought directly for our own use and thought, well, this is something to review. And other times it is at trade shows and we'll pick something up there. But most of them are sent directly to us. And do you have to put maybe um, disclaimers on it as far as um, on the site to say that you haven't purchased them and all that type of thing, um, particularly if you're giving a glowing report about something? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Every, every one of our reviews at the bottom says exactly how we came about having that. So if it was given for free, what the, what the relationship looks like, there's never any compensation for these reviews. And all of that is clearly revealed in the disclaimer at the bottom of the reviews. And, and are the, the reviewers geographically different and, and working in different types of, of soils? Because I can imagine may, maybe in the, the southwest or something, you know, you've got very different soils to maybe an, a Midwest clay or a, the, the red clay that's best for bricks in the southeast. Um, so are you geographically different so these tools are, are given a test in each of the, these different areas? We are. We have reviewers across the entire country, east, west, north to south, and Canada. So we've, we've got it fairly well covered, and I always try to match up a product with the person who I think is in the best location to really test it out. So, for example, a shovel perhaps would go to somebody who has a lot of if – it, if it's one that they say does well in rocky soil, I make sure it goes to somebody who has rocky soil. If it's a, a watering timer, for example, maybe somebody in the southwest would want to uh, try that out. So we try to match things up based on location. And, and of course, you, you do um, the clothing side as well. Is that right? So things like hats that maybe don't come off in the slightest breeze or when you get hot and sweaty and you swipe your brow, you know, you can test them that way too? We do. We do garden aprons, gloves, uh, shoes, hats. So far we haven't done shirts or pants, but I'm sure that will be coming. And, of course, gar- gardeners always get... Um, dirty, particularly when you're playing in the soil or with mulch. So you, you say that you do these things for a full season, so the, the clothing, for instance, like gloves, can go through several washes as well, right? Yes. Yes, as long as they're supposed to be washable, we'll, we'll wash them a few times. And because I know mine have to go in quite on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so how many reviewers altogether do you have that are on the site right now? We have reviews on the site right now by, I think we have eight at the moment, who've written reviews. They're listed on our contributors page, but we have a total of 26 reviewers who are currently working on different products. 
And do, do you accept reviews maybe from somebody that has used one of these um, products that they can actually enter on your website? You know, I really agree, I love this tool, or did you try it like this because I couldn't get it to work? We do accept comments, so we encourage people to share their experience with a, a tool or a product that's been reviewed, but we don't accept unsolicited reviews for publication on the website. So, so people can just make, um, make comments uh, um, on them, and do they have to get, um, uh, do you have to be a member to, to uh, maybe enter a comment on the site? Anyone can enter a comment. I do moderate it, so if it's something that I think they may be representing a company or is inappropriate for the website, I will edit that out. But other than that, uh, pretty much all the comments are approved. And we have had people who have said that their experience with a product is completely different than our review. And we welcome that because the more information we have, the better the overall review is going to be for people who are reading it. Okay. Okay. Well, I think we'll, we'll talk more about all the different products in uh, the next segment, but we have to go for our first commercial break here, but we'll be back talking more about great garden products with Monica Hemingway from Garden Product Review on the Master Gardener Hour, and we'll be back in just a moment. This is Dr. George from Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center. Do you have problems with sinus pain and pressure? Do other people smell things that you don't? Have you lost the joy in eating because food just doesn't taste like it used to? Is your nose always stuffy no matter what you do? Maybe you have sinus or nasal polyps, a chronic sinus infection, or allergies that are either undertreated or have never been treated at all. At Peachtree ENT Center, we use state-of-the-art equipment so you can see the problem. You'll be a partner in your care, and together we will decide the course of treatment because we believe in old-fashioned medicine where we take the time to fix the problem, not just medicate the symptoms. We specialize in minimally invasive balloon dilation sinus surgery, correction of a nasal septal deviation, and turbinate reduction surgery that can be done in the office, getting you back to work the next day. And you can rest assured that all options will be discussed before surgery is recommended because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. If you'd like to make an appointment, call 404-591-9100 or reach us on the web at www.peachtreeentcenter.com. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quicksteak.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick steaks, Q-U-I-K steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back 
to the Master Gardener Hour. Remember, you can catch up with us on Facebook at the Master Gardener Hour. And if you miss any shows, you can find them in archives at America's Web radio.com and you can find them on iTunes and you can find them on Stitchers and this morning we are talking with Monica Hemingway about her site Gardening Products Review and we've talked about the products in general Mark, uh, Monica and sort of how, how things have changed just a little but let's talk about some of the products themselves um, particularly the tools um, you talked a, a little about how the most of the gardening, well, a lot of the gardening world is still is maybe getting a little older, um, and things like arthritic hands and post uh, stroke and things like that. Um, that there are a few adaptable uh, tools. Um, I, it's just kind of a general trend that you've seen that that you can identify maybe um, things that are useful for that type of thing. We're seeing more tools coming out that claim to be ergonomic or adapted. Uh, for people with various degrees of mobility. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's true. I think they've jumped on the marketing bandwagon and figured, you know, these are good words to use and we can sell more products. So I think we have to be careful with that, but we are definitely seeing more and more tools at least labeled that way. Now, there are some companies that really are putting out tools that work very well for people with, as you said, arthritic hands or maybe stiff backs and knees or maybe um, difficulty standing for long periods of time or sitting. And so those those companies, they tend to be smaller startups that we're seeing coming out with those kinds of products. The, the big-name brands seem to be a little bit behind in that regard. And is this predominantly hand tools for maybe uh, raised bed type things, or are they um, the the longer handle tools as well? Oh, absolutely, the longer handle tools. I mean, the the smaller hand tools have been around for quite some while. There's been some brands that have been doing that, but we're now seeing power tools and long handle tools that uh, are designed specifically to meet people with those kinds of needs. And and I think anything to save backs is a great idea. Um, but but do, do you then maybe your reviewers maybe go out to maybe a senior home or something and, and sort of maybe let them play with it a little bit to see how they use it, um, to see if it helps them? Um, have any of your reviewers done that? No, but that's a great idea. I mean, we do have several reviewers who exclusively review ergonomic products because they are they fit that demographic, um, so it's important to them. But uh, we could certainly see what other people might think of that. Take it out to a senior center. And and have you found any uh, maybe that you would call a revolutionary new tool, something that's totally different that's maybe replacing um, an old tool? I know we talked a little about the lightweight um, strimmers and things like that. Um, are, are, are there any others out there that maybe you, you look at it and you say, gee, this is the best thing since sliced bread on the market? I, d- I don't know how you would define revolutionary. It, you know, as, as you said earlier, a shovel is a shovel is a shovel, and there are things you can do to make it easier to work with, and there are several companies that are doing that. So we're seeing one, uh, for example, that has been designed based on a, a research grant from the, from the U.S. government, actually, um, to design tools specifically for women, 
uh, and that are ergonomic and easier to use. So they, they have now a, a new shovel comes in different sizes, and it's more lightweight. It has a, a huge D or, well, square-shaped handle, so you can hold it. Not just, you know, a normal shovel would have a single shaft or, or handle. This, you can hold it in so many different ways. And the angle at which the, the scoop or the blade of the shovel sits relative to the handle has been designed to make it easier for women to shovel with because our center of gravity sits lower than a man. So they're using more of their upper body strength. We tend to use more of our lower body strength today. So there's a lot of research that's gone into it. And while it doesn't necessarily look much different if you were to just look at it other than the big green handle, it really works quite differently. So we are seeing those sorts of changes that are making it much easier for some groups to, to garden. And have you found that there, a lot of people these days are, are on much smaller properties um, and the trend towards kind of um, containers and small raised beds and small properties and small trees and small shrubs and things like that, has there been a, um, a, a reaction from maybe the marketplace to, to maybe adapt tools for those smaller places? Because, you know, you, not everybody has the room for a large tool shed um, so they can walk in on a Saturday morning and pick whichever one they want. <laughs> right. Um well, what we're actually seeing is not necessarily more hand tools or smaller tools. There, there are a lot of those already available. But what we're seeing are more different types of containers that make it easier to garden in a small space. So everything from self-watering containers, including one that's solar-powered. So it pumps water from the reservoir onto the soil powered solely by solar lights. So you don't have to plug this in. You can put it anywhere as long as you get sun. We're seeing ones that are, they look sort of like a wheelbarrow almost. They're on wheels. You can move them anywhere that you want to. And then we're seeing a lot of um, elevated beds. So they're at waist height, and there's there's ground underneath them. So, for example, if you're in a wheelchair, you could still garden on this, uh, but you can also garden without having to kneel down to weed your vegetables. So many more of those sorts of products starting to appear. And, and what about the trend, maybe um, the green wall type things, building upright and using that vertical um, space? I've, I've noti- noticed a lot at the trade shows. You know, there seem to be a, a lot of these, shall we say, buckets on top of each other's or, or walls with holes in it. Um, that seems to be a trend. Do they really work as well? They can, but, you know, the ones that really work are the ones that you get commercially available. I mean, for, for, you know, to the trade, basically, not the ones you buy at retail necessarily. There, there are some. They're, they're okay. Um, they take a little more care because you've got to water them and make sure the water gets through all the different layers of it. Um, so it, it's sort of hit or miss as to whether those work for the typical homeowner. And I think it probably depends on, on where you're using them. I remember seeing a small one that looked like it could have a picture on one side and a plant on the other side. So you could maybe have a kitchen herb on one side on kind of a half wall and you could have a pretty picture on the other side, which would be the living space, which I thought was a neat idea. But I I was concerned about how much... Um, soil matter or growing matter you could put in something that's maybe a 12-inch square container with, that was about two inches deep. Yeah. Well, 
the, inter- the interesting thing is a lot of the ones that you're intended to hang on the wall, um, they're, they're sort of angled at a maybe a 30-degree angle. So you have to fill, you fill them with soil, you put your plant in it, you leave it on the ground for a couple of weeks until the roots have started to establish and hold that, that potting mix in place, and then you put it upright on the wall. And that, that seems to work. You can put enough soil in those to grow a, a decent-sized plant. And and so um, I guess I noticed that there was on the site um, there was something called a shovel sling. That seemed like a really novel type of, gosh, I haven't seen that before. So what exactly is a, a shovel sling and what does it do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that was one of the things that when I, when I saw it, I thought, geez, why did nobody think of this before? So what it is, it's... You know when you're you're gardening and you have all your long-handled tools and you're trying to carry them from your garage or your shed to where you're gardening? How do you carry them, right? You, you wrap your arms around them and you struggle across the lawn with them and dropping them along the way. The shovel sling is about a roughly two-foot-long metal bar. It's encased in, in um, fabric, that, like the kinds of fabric that you'd find maybe on, on sale or something, very, very long-lasting, hard-wearing fabric. And then it has uh, a D-shaped fabric handle. You lay the metal bar. You, you lay all your tools out so they're all parallel together in a pile. You lay your metal bar on top, wrap the handle around and through the bar, and you just lift up. And all of a sudden, you have all of your tools in a nice bundle. You carry them all in one hand with your shovel stick, and you're done. It oh. makes it so easy. Wow. That sounds, sounds like an interesting idea, because you're right. I mean, when, when they've got different um, lengths of handles, you end up carrying them, I guess, in both arms, like a bundle of wood or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And ev- eventually, one of them eventually falls off anyway. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Well, the interesting thing is I've carried, using the shovel thing, I've carried my string t- trimmer, a rake, a shovel, a pole pruner, you know, all together in one. One hand, yeah. you're done. Oh, wow. I mean, that, that does sound like, like something that would be useful. And then you just hang it flat in the, the tool shed, or does it actually, can you leave the tools in it um, and hang it up by both handles in the tool shed? You can do that, too. You can do either way. It, it comes, comes off very, very easily, and you just I just throw it on my gardening bench. Um, but you can store tools that way, hanging as well. It was designed by a, a landscaper. This is one of those small companies I was talking about where they've come up with something unique. It was a landscaper. He noticed his tools were always everywhere. He thought there has to be a better way to do this, and he came up with a shovel sling. And he brought it to market this year, and now he's trying to you know, get it out there. And uh, it's a terrific thing that most people have never heard of. And, and so with it being a small company... Um is it available on the general marketplace, or do we have to go to the particular um, company to, to get it, or can we get it from Amazon.com, which seems to carry everything? Most of these things are available on, on Amazon. I mean, these days, really, if, if it's not on Amazon, nobody will buy it. So it's there. I think the shovel sling, they've just gotten it into Sears as well, if I remember correctly. So there are different ways to buy things. All the products we review, you can buy them through our website. Well, there's a link to buy them through our website. You're not buying them through us, but we tell you where to get them. And, and do most of them take electronic payment as well? Yeah, no. You can, you can buy online with a credit card or PayPal generally. 
Because that, that obviously would be um, a ma- major drawback on very small companies. Um, and about, about typically on small companies, is the delivery time relatively uh, quick for them as well? It is. Uh, most of them, you know, they're, they're really trying hard when it comes to customer service. They want people to have a good experience and talk about their tools. So you will normally get it very, very quickly. And if you have questions, you can often phone them directly and maybe even talk to the owner, which you certainly couldn't do with a big company. And, and my guess is that you wouldn't have to press 27 buttons to find a helpline. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get a live human right away. <laughs> Okay, well, that, that sounds sounds great. Um, but, you know, we need to take another quick commercial break here. Uh, but I want to remind you that you're listening to the Master Gardener Hour. And we're getting the dirt on garden products with uh, Monica Hemingway. And we'll be back with more garden product reviews. And we're going to talk about the accessories like gloves and hats and wheelbarrows, etc. We will be right back. This is Dr. Susan Blank, Medical Director for the Atlanta Healing Center. Our team is able to offer a multitude of treatment options such as quantitative EEG, also known as brain mapping, hormonal and nutritional assessments, neuropsychological testing, and cognitive therapy, along with traditional 12-step facilitation. And we can even offer you, if appropriate, a gentle medically managed detox. Please contact us at 770-696-9862. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. You're back listening to the Master Gardener Hour. I am the host of the show, Kate Copsey, and this morning we are talking with Monica Hemingway from Garden Product Review. And we have talked about some of the tools in the tool shed, and I love that idea of the, the sling. Um, so, But we're going to go, go into more of the rest of the gardener's bucket, the accessories. Um, so let's start with hose pipes. Um, I've noticed lately that... Um, People are claiming collapsible hose pipes, virtually put them into your pocketbook uh, hose pipes, but will spread out and do the whole yard when you need them. Um, have you been reviewing any of those? Yes. Um, the, the, the difficulty is you won't see those reviews on our website just yet because the reviews have all been highly negative. 
and we wanted to give them a chance to respond <laughs> before we published it. Um, you see, the, in theory, they, that sounds great, absolutely terrific. These things are really lightweight. They're usually a bright green color or something, so you can't lose it. You just scrunch it up and put it away. The problem is that it's, uh, it's only a half-inch diameter hose, so you don't get that much water through it. It tends to have, they nearly all have plastic fittings at the end, so after a while they start to leak or they break or they crack. And after you've used it for a few weeks, they don't contract back to their original scrunched-up shape. So you've got now this really long, floppy, bright green thing that you can't coil. So we haven't been terribly impressed with those. But it's a good idea. We'll get them to work on that. Yeah, execution's (laughs) somewhat lacking, but the idea is great. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, maybe somebody will come across one that that actually does work, because that, that I think, is, is an important part of gardening. Almost everybody has to water at some stage, and they do look like a good idea. Um, But I guess if they don't function awfully well and you can't get round all your containers with it. it it's a bit of a problem so, so you're still getting different ones in to try or or have they dried up right now we're not nobody's sending us anymore at this point uh we've tried three different brands the, the ones that you see most often in the big box stores but you know one, one thing to keep in mind about those is that they're not very expensive yeah so if it lasts you half a season it's okay you know recycle it throw it away I, I hate to advocate for disposable tools, but it's not a huge loss uh, financially. Uh, there are other issues, of course, but yeah. you, know, you, you sort of get what you pay for when it comes to gardening tools, and I think that's the case in point. Yeah. Um, and, and so what about um, trucks and baskets and things like that? I know that, um, you know, I, I usually pick up a couple from the big box stores in pretty colorful plastic things, and they start out by being planters, usually, I think, r- around a, a pool or something like that. Um, the second year, they become my weed basket, and the, by the third year, the handles have come off. Um, <laughs> have you tried any of those to see how sturdy they are? Uh, pretty much the same thing with all of the ones we tried. I mean, they are made out of a sort of plastic, and plastic gets brittle over time, particularly if it's exposed to sun. So I think the fact that the handles break off, which is usually what happens, is, is sort of to be expected. So I'd say a two, maybe three-year life expectancy on on those plastic trugs is is about right. Ah. There are, you know, there are other things you could use that are going to have a, a longer lifespan, um, and that I might. They, they, they come in really handy, you know, but it depends what you want to do with them. So, if you're trying to carry, for example, smaller hand tools, you might consider a gardening apron, or um, one we reviewed recently that we really love. It made our our list of um, best holiday gifts, and and that's. From, from Gardener Supply, they make some really nice com- nice products. It's called the uh, Puddle Proof Field Bag. It's got all these compartments. It's got a nice sturdy handle. You can and it's waterproof. So when you're out in the garden and it, it's been raining or there's dew and you put it down on the ground, everything in it isn't going to get wet, which is really nice. And and so is that supposed to be something you you wear around the waist or does it go around a bucket? The, actually, the field bag is a standalone piece. It's not on a bucket. It's not around your waist. It's it's a stand up uh, type of bag with a handle. 
It's um, sort of more about the size and shape of, say, a tool um, toolbox. Oh. But it looks a little better. And and then and that just holds the hand tools, like like the clippers and and the sh- the um, trowels and things like that, right? Yeah, twine, plans, feed, gloves, you name it. If you can fit it in there, you can carry it. It sounds sounds a lot lighter than my big bucket that I cart around. <laughs> it, it is. It's, it's a lot easier to handle. Yeah. And, and things don't all end up, you know, and you put everything in a bucket and it all ends up uh, mixed up in the bottom and you're weeding around there trying to find the one tool you want, which invariably ends up on the very bottom. <laughs> yes. And, and that is a problem. I, I think one year I actually emptied, um, I did a blog post on when I emptied my um, bucket out at the beginning of the year because it was getting too heavy and it was just amazing what was down there i mean screwdrivers and wrenches and um empty cans and empty soda bottles um. yeah it's like a black hole it just sucks everything in <laughs> yes yeah um so um so what about um you know we mentioned it a little bit at the the beginning the garden gloves we get through a lot of garden gloves a lot of them look pretty on the stand um but they they don't last very, very long. They get dirty. They they get holes in the, the where the fingers are. Um, and and the other thing I, I found is that um, you lose the the sense of touch when you're going for very small things. So I end up taking the um, the gloves off when I'm maybe doing some pruning or something. Um, have you found found any good good really good gloves? Yes. Um... Again, it, re- it really depends what you're using them for. So as you said, when you're doing really fine work, like maybe working with seedlings and things, it's hard to find a glove that still gives you that dexterity and, and feeling in your fingertips. And some of the really inexpensive thin nitrile gloves might work for that. But, but So depends what you're working on. So let me, let me give you a couple of ones that I really, really like. If you work with roses, cactuses, thorny bushes, any of those things. You've probably tried some rose gauntlets, you know, the gloves that come up to your elbow to protect you from that. And my, my problem with those has always been they don't work so well. You still get stuck with thorns in many of them, and they're not necessarily very comfortable. This year we reviewed one from Bear Wallow Gloves. Never heard of them. And it's a strange-looking glove, I, I will say, up front, but... It is incredibly comfortable. The hems are made of goat skin. So that is very, very flexible. You have great feeling still in your hand, in, in your fingers. But then the sleeve is made out of cat hide. So it's almost indestructible. You can hardly ever poke anything through that. Ooh. So that, that's, that's one glove I would really recommend trying. In fact, I, I was doing a, a talk recently at a garden club and club and showing these gloves off and about half the members of the garden club wanted to buy them off me afterwards which i wasn't going to give up my bear wallow gloves so <laughs> they, they really are good oh good um, yeah yeah another one that's really nice is ethel gloves and they're made specifically for women the problem with those is that the company which is based in in the uk isn't distributing them in the u.s anymore so if you can find some online on, say, Amazon or eBay, it's worth buying them if you can find them in the size you want. They came in all sorts of designs. They're really very cool-looking gloves. They have reinforced fingertips, but they're not so thick that you 
can't feel what you're doing. I wouldn't use them for heavy-duty work. So if you're, you know, working in gravel and carrying rocks and stuff, you might want to use something different. But for light, lighter gardening tasks, they're absolutely beautiful gloves. And maybe when you're harvesting vegetables or something like that or picking flowers for a bouquet, the lighter type of uh, ideas, where you don't really want to mess up the nail varnish at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, although, I mean, I use them for weeding and digging and pulling things out and all that, Um, but they are a thinner leather, so they're they're not going to stand up over time as well as for those kinds of more heavy-duty work. Yeah, and, and another thing that people seem to get through an awful lot are other garden shoes. I mean, with mine, uh, the, the inner bits seem to always come out, and, and although they're washable and things, uh, they never seem to go back in quite as uh, securely <laughs> as before. Yeah, I think that's, that's a matter of preference as to what you want to wear, and you see all these sort of plastic or plastic-coated um, shoes that are called gardening shoes or gardening clogs. Yeah, they tend to be just somewhat uncomfortable, and your feet sweat because they're not <laughs> breathable. So we, we've we've reviewed some, and you know they, they work fine. But if you're going to be in the garden for any length of time, I'd, I'd suggest putting on a comfortable pair of, you know, running shoes or, or hiking shoes or something like that instead. For heavy-duty gardening work, if you're going to be out there for a few hours and doing real gardening, you know, digging, I wouldn't wear them for digging with a shovel, for example. If you're going to be doing a lot of kneeling or they, they, don't, they don't lace up, they're clogs, so they'll come off. So here you are almost barefoot in the garden at some point. So I, I think it depends what you're doing. If you're just going to be walking through your garden or going to harvest something, yeah, they're, they're fine. But for wearing them for a longer period of time and doing some real gardening tasks, especially that use your feet, I, I wouldn't generally recommend them. Okay. So, so if you're doing, doing mulching or something like that, you'd put something maybe um, something heavier on, or may, maybe wellies or something like that. Yeah, something <laughs> a little sturdier. And certainly if you're going to be digging with a shovel, you know, you're putting your foot down on the sh- shoulder of the shovel, most of these don't have a, a great heavy solid sole on them. They're a lot more flexible. So it does get a little painful if you're, if you're doing a lot of digging with those kinds of shoes. Yeah, um, and actually that's what I fa- found. If you, if you are putting, putting pressure on something like a fork or, or a spade, you can feel it underneath, and, and after a while that gets really tiresome. It does, it does. Yeah. Um, so what, what, what are the type of things then um, on your list? I know you've got a, a, a best of type list. Um, what are the t- types of gardening accessories? I mean, the hats and things like that we, we mentioned. Are there any really good hats that um, are supposed to be able to keep the sun off so we don't get sunburned? <laughs> there are a lot of hats that, that, uh, that say that it's, Hats are a tough one because it's a matter of whether it fits you or not, and everybody's head is different. So if it doesn't fit you, it's, it doesn't matter how much shade it might create. It's, it's not, never going to work. Um, and they're not necessarily gardening hats. People wear straw hats. There are some, some nice hats um, that are of a woven material that's a little more flexible. The trick is keeping them on your head, right? So <laughs> some people tie a string around them so that they can put it around uh, under their chin. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know that that's not something we've found that gardening hats specifically are a category that's any better than just 
hats that you happen to wear while you're gardening. <laughs> okay. And I know when you put a string around you when it is windy, yes, it keeps the hat on, but when the hat goes off, it throttles you. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, we need to go take our final uh, commercial break here. Um, but come back to listen more about the Great Garden Products Review with Monica Hemingway, and we'll talk about the best of lists. We will be right back. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Certification. Do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014? Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry. Download our certification overview and learn more at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com. Do your children know where their food comes from? At ConnectingFarmToFork.com, there's all kinds of ways to help your child understand how 300 million of us here in America stay nourished, clothed, and healthy. Activities, food facts, and farm visits help young people learn about America's hardworking farmers and have lots of fun doing it. Visit ConnectingFarmToFork.com today for a learning experience that will really grow on you. ConnectingFarmToFork.com, brought to you by the people who care at Feedstuff's Food Link. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. I hope you're enjoying uh, the Master Gardener Hour this morning. We have been talking about garden products that you can get for your garden, put on your garden list for different people for this season. And, and we've been talking with Monica Hemingway from Garden Products Review. And that actually is the name of the, the website, isn't it? Gardenproductsreview.com. Is that right? It's actually, well, that will get you there, yes. But it's, it's Gardening Products Review. Oh. But any variant of that will get you there as well. Everything forward there. Okay. And on on that list, um, I know right now you're running a what is your favorite um, product review or your favorite product that has been reviewed. Um, tell us a little about, about what that is and how many years and what kind of results you expect to get from that. Well, at the end of every year, we give out um, the Golden Shovel Award. So we give out one to the reader's choice. So that's what we're asking people to vote on. We have a list of all the products we've reviewed this year, and we ask you to come in, take a look, tell us which one you like best, and the one with the most votes gets the reader's choice award. Then we also give up to, depending on what we we think are the better products, uh, up to four editor's choice awards as well for what we think are the best products that have been reviewed on the gardening products review in in this year. 
so so the li- the list that that's on on the site is kind kind of something where you've all got your heads together and you say well what do we all think is the best one of of this year is that right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah or how many different items uh, I, I don't remember how it's organized uh, well we divide the the website up into a lot of different categories so digging tools um, pruning and cutting tools uh, carrying tools so based sort of on on the function the awards we give and the ones that we've we're putting on the best holiday gift list don't necessarily come from any particular categories. So it can be, they could all be digging tools this year. I, I don't know that they aren't, but um, we don't have a, a limit and say, oh, it has to be one from each category. And and so um, the, the list that, that's on there right now, um, you expect people to be able to vote for um, the, the ones that they think are the best. And I, are they allowed just one uh, vote, kind of, this is the one I think is the best? Just one, yeah. So yeah. when you come to the website, you'll see uh, at the top right, it'll say vote. Click here to vote for the Reader's Choice Award. You'll have one vote um, from, from that list and share it with your friends because the more votes, the better. And do you have to be registered on the site before you can do that? Nope. Anybody can come in and do that. Oh, okay. Um, and, and do you have anything that people can maybe si- sign up for um, so that they maybe get alerts for new things that have been tested? Absolutely. I'd, I'd love them to come in and sign up. They, there are several places on the site. It's pretty clear. Just uh, We just need your email address. We publish a new review every week, so you'll be the first to get that review. And we also have special offers often from the companies whose products we're reviewing. So if it's a product that we, we rate the products. So instead of giving, say, one to five stars, we give one to five shovels. So if they've gotten a four or five shovel award, we give the company uh, the opportunity to also offer a special deal on that product to our readers. And that would only be if you're on our list. And so you get that special offer. And, and so they, they would get may, maybe um, an email from you guys about the latest one um, that uh, any, of, any of your reviewers uh, post. Is that right? Yeah, every Tuesday we send out the latest review. And and so presumably this isn't going to be a daily email that people are going to get. (laughs) Oh, heck no, we all get far too many emails as it is. No, just every Tuesday, just one email. Okay. Um, And if somebody has got the latest, greatest thing for for the gardening world and they want to get you to review it, how would they go about getting that? Is there a contact site or something like that where they can say, I've got the best thing since gardens have been invented? Absolutely. Right at the bottom of the website on every page, there's a a contact, uh, contact us. There's also information about the products that we do review and review opportunities. So all the information is right there. And have there been, shall we say, how do we put this delicately? Um, have there been any absolute things that you think, oh, my goodness, that doesn't work the way it's supposed to? Uh, yes. <laughs> there, there are always some of those, unfortunately. Um, there, are, you know, there are some that we get, and it's, it's a quality issue. They, the idea is fine, but somehow it's not put together very well, or it breaks, or it, it doesn't work as advertised. I mean, that's always interesting. Um, so sometimes it's manufacturing problems, sometimes it's design issues, sometimes it's just quality of materials. It's, uh, they just don't work. So we've had a few of those. I'm not sure I want to mention who they might be, but um, 
yeah, we and we do review those. So if you come to our website, you will find those. Okay, so so you you do actually publish this doesn't quite work or this broke as as well as so these aren't all positive reviews out there. No, well we we'd hardly be objective if we just put public uh, positive reviews up there. So uh, no, if somebody has sent us something to review, we will review it, uh, publish it, whether that's positive or negative. And, and we have had some companies ask us to take the review down, and I've had I've had to refuse. Um, you know, there, we have an agreement beforehand that we will review it, uh, publish it, good or bad. Huh. I, I bet there's some upset people out there. <laughs> and and how, how, how about taking the show on the road? I mean, if you've got great tools um, that you obviously want to share, it, do you go out and, and maybe um, do demonstrations and talks uh, may, maybe in the area where you are? I do. I do. I, I give quite a lot of talks, and it's a bit of a show and tell. So I, I bring a lot of tools with me. And I talk about what makes a quality tool, what should you look for, what are some of the newer things, how do they work, uh, what do you not need. So we just go through everything. It's usually an hour. Uh, it can be an hour and a half. And uh, at the end, I often have some of those tools available for sale as well at, at special prices. Oh, great. Um, and so if people have a garden club or may, maybe a, a group that they, they would like a, a presentation, they can, there's a contact. They use the same contact as on, on the, the, the page, right? They do. Right down there at the bottom, contact us, and that'll get right to me. And, and how do, is there a way of knowing whereabouts you're giving talks? Um, is, is that available on the site or not? Uh, no, I need to update that. I've, I've just moved from Connecticut to Arizona, so I'm, I guess I'm giving talks in the southwest right now. <laughs> so, so people need to know where, where you are before you can decide whether you, uh, whether you can approach their garden club in Tucson versus whether you can up in Maine, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Although, I, I mean, I, I have done talks without all the tools. I do have a, a PowerPoint one I can do as well, so it's a little bit differently done, but I, I can do that anywhere. And, and when do you expect the Golden Shovel to be um, awarded for this year? Um, the, the voting is going on right now, is that right? It is for the next two weeks, so it closes on December 14th, and the awards will be announced the next day, the following Monday, the 15th. And, and the res- does the recipient actually get a little Golden Shovel to, to display? They, they actually get a, a logo that uh, they can display on their website, on their social media, or even on the packaging of their product if they want to do that. Oh, neat. And, and as, you know, they get a nice little certificate and all of that. Oh, great. And have there been any years where um, you've put out that list and you've got your own personal fa- favorite on there and it was just it, it just didn't get anywhere in the public opinion? Yeah, last year that, that happened. Um, the, the interesting thing is we let the companies whose products are on that list know uh, about it, and many of them will publicize it on social media and to their own mailing lists. So in some ways it's a bit of who can you know, get out the vote, so to speak, um, better than others. So I think that, that kind of came into play last year. Yes, and I guess social media does that. Kind of everybody spreads the word, vote, vote for me so that we get this, this award, right? <laughs> exactly. Although I think people are getting a little more tired of that. They're seeing so much of it now. So maybe, maybe this year it won't be so much of an influence. Yeah. Um, and so we've, we've got just a, a minute or two left here, Monica. Um, as a, a quick 
um, review when people are buying tools of any description, whether it's hats or whatever, can you give me maybe just a um, sort of what the basics that they should maybe be be looking for to make sure it's a good solid tool if they haven't got time to nip to your site to see if you've reviewed it? You know, I think there's there's three things I'd look for, and, and the number one thing is probably not what you might think, but it's is this tool really useful for you given the way you garden? Uh, and some of it's obvious. If you're gardening on a on a balcony in pots, you don't need a shovel, right? But take take a, a good look at it and think about it. And especially with the newer tools that look so cool, they look so interesting. But does it really add anything? Is it is actually going to be useful? So that's the number one thing to look at in a tool. The number two thing would be, does it work for you? You know, we're we're all we're all different, different height, strength, flexibility. You know, we were talking before about arthritis and stuff. So if the tool, the tool may be great quality, it may be all the rage, but if you can't use it because of whatever limitations or differences you have, then it's not the right tool. So pick it up and decide, you know, is it comfortable? Can I, can I hold this thing? Do I think I can move with it? Is, is it the right size for me? Oftentimes, especially for those of us who are maybe a little more petite, tools tend to be too big. You can't, you can't hold it or it's too tall. Um, how much does it weigh? Am I going to get tired using this? Before you even look at quality, those are some of the things to look at. And then last of all, take a look at quality and look at the way it's put together. So will it stay in one piece? <laughs> you look at how the different parts are connected. If it's if it's just maybe a screw or plastic uh, or glue, well, the chances of it staying in one piece are, are pretty small, right? So take a, take a look at those connection points. Uh, look at things like metal. Are the parts welded together, right? You want them to be welded. Uh, look at what it's made out of. So a lot of times, you know, you have different options. Like I have this wonderful shovel. I loved it. I was digging up a Joe Pye weed with it, and if you know Joe Pye weed, it has a huge root ball. And I was digging away. I was putting all my weight into this thing, and all of a sudden, the shaft snapped in half. I pitched forward, and the thing almost impaled me. I had a big bloody mark across my stomach where it, it sort of speared me. Oh, wow. A little bit further over, I'd have been impaled by my shovel. So um, make sure that when you... Do look at tools that if you're looking at something with wood, that it, there's no splinters, there's no cracks. And think about if you're going to be doing that kind of work, maybe you want a composite or a fiberglass handle instead. Yeah. And, um, you know, do, do the parts fit together snugly? Do they move smoothly? Are there replacement parts for it, like a pair of pruning shears, for example? Can you get new blades? Are the parts made of metal versus plastic? Because, you know, plastic gets brittle and breaks. So those are some of the things you'd look for in terms of quality. So if it's useful, you can use it because it's the right size or shape for you and it's good quality material and construction, then you know you've got a good tool. Well, that, that's great. And th those are great, great points. Um, but, you know, we are at the end of the show, Monica. Um, thank you so much for being a great guest. I've had great fun. And I think uh, the site is Gardening Product Review. Um, and it, find it on the web. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Master Gardener Hour this morning. We will be back next week with another holiday-based gift show. Um, so have a good week and join me back here next Saturday. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.